I just wanted to give this a try. So this is actually recording a podcast live. Normally, we record our podcasts using a device that has a better sound quality than my iPhone. And it also then gives you the ability to afterwards just go through and edit it slightly. And as you'll know from people who listen to the podcasts, I still have to get a bit better at this. But some of this is really not just because of my ability per se, it's time. Because as you know, I home educate my eldest child. We have two children who are autistic and meet the profile of PDA. And that does make life really quite challenging. So this is a really interesting way to record. And um, (laughs) it's actually quite intimidating because you feel a bit more out of control. But at the same time, I quite like the freedom. It's just craziness. I know that we've actually left you hanging for some time. We've actually recorded podcasts and haven't gotten around to editing them and posting them. And it's now, as an ADHD autistic individual, and and I believe potentially PDA, it has become quite a demand. It's now something that is asking so much from me that I'm actually struggling to do what I need to do. And it's just, and it's just crazy because I want to do it. And, and this is where people don't always understand. They think if, I've heard so many times people say, if you want something badly enough, then you will do it. But it's not always that easy. There are so many things that I apply myself to at any one time. And I've said this before, this is one of my issues. And I believe this is the ADHD part of me. Now, I'm not diagnosed with ADHD. This is something I self-identify with. But the person who actually diagnosed me um, just specifically diagnoses autism, but that doesn't mean that you don't have these comorbid conditions. I know some people hate that terminology. It's really tricky because the terminology um, being used by advocates at the moment... Yeah, there's still a lot of infighting because not everybody can agree. Comorbidities offend some and not others, and it's that kind of thing. Um, my husband likes to use the word conditions. He said, you know, condition is a different condition of the brain, and he feels it's less insulting to use that term. And I think, to some degree, I agree, actually. I definitely don't like the terminology like disorder. Not at all. But I do appreciate that some people say, well... Some of the behaviours are disordered and hitting yourself and all that kind of thing. So, you know, I don't want to be the terminology police and tell people what they can and cannot say. And there are some autistic people who are happy to identify with certain terms that others are not. So I can't sit here and say that this is right and this is completely wrong because it is an individual choice. But generally speaking, you do need to have an idea. You know, within the community, you have to have kind of a general, I suppose, um, preference. Because how else are we... You need to have some consistency. I think that's the key. Anyway, as I said, I've self-identified as ADHD. And at some point, I will actually be um, pursuing that as a formal diagnosis. But because of waiting lists and, you know, all the same things with every part of this whole process of trying to identify and recognise who you are and validate who you are, 
the waiting list and the funding, and especially if you appear high-functioning like I do, it's long and it's difficult to be taken seriously. And there's so much to say on that. And we say it in other podcasts and I will continue to say a lot of this stuff because it's not unique. But at the moment, I'm happy to self-identify. I have my you know, autism diagnosis and I'm happy with that. So there we go. But um, part of the ADHD side of things is that I take on so many things all at once and I start something and then I don't finish it and I start something else. And someone said to me the other day, you must have been an amazing student because they see me as quite intelligent and they see me as somebody who's always learning and always reading and always, you know, writing. But what the point that they're missing is, it's stuff I'm interested in and it's stuff that's kind of self. Um, I can't think of the words. This is what's awful about being live, you know. It's self-pursued almost and self-motivated, self-incentivized in a way. It's, it's stuff I'm interested in learning about or reading. I mean, I can read for hours and hours and hours, but not one specific book. I can't do that. <laughs> I have to, I'll read a bit of a book and then I'll go into another book or I'll go into an article or somebody's blog it's, um, or I'll go and listen to a podcast. My mind is chaotic and someone said to me, I'm really surprised to hear that. And I told them how much I struggled at university and with essays and just the actual going into lectures. I'm so surprised. You don't present like that. And then all of a sudden, the frustration is you kind of go down in their estimation because no longer are you this intelligent student because you can't achieve the way the other students do. I don't think it's because I'm less intelligent. Um, There are people who, who got higher grades than me. I don't actually define my intelligence by the grade I know that I'm able to achieve more than I have at times when I was young I was a perfectionist and I pushed myself to such ridiculous lengths to get those top grades and I had to actually train myself out of that the perfectionist side is still in there but I had to train myself for self-preservation and for to keep my sanity I suppose really and and because of burnout, because nobody can keep that up. And this is the difference. Like I have I have friends who've done really well academically, and I don't feel that I am less intelligent than they are. I don't feel they're superior to me. I feel we're on an equal, but we have different skill sets. But instead what people do with the autistic or the ADHD narrative is they like to imply that you are somehow less than, and this is something that really bothers me. I mean, even just recording this, you can probably tell there are some ADHD elements because I do just chop and change from one thing to the next and I think I could be quite difficult to follow at times and I apologise for that. Sometimes that's why editing is probably my friend. But there is something about just being able to get your thoughts out there in one go that is quite liberating and also it is, like I said, I have things to edit and to upload and I haven't gotten around to doing it. So this is better in that way. But going back to the studies, you know, why do we define people by by numbers and scores? I felt like this as a teacher. Why? I had parents asking me if their child was in top set and it just didn't make any sense to me why that was of interest. You know, obviously that's me and my naivety. 
But a lot of people, it's for bragging rights and it is to kind of uh, form a hierarchy. And I don't really share a lot of my grades and things anymore with people. I don't really feel they're important and I don't feel they define me. But you will find other people will throw numbers and grades at you. And somebody told me something the other day about an individual and a score they had on a test, a specific test. And they were so impressed and I was supposed to be in awe of this individual because of how highly they'd scored. And I wasn't in awe of them, but what I've learned to do is to kind of not compete and to not... Uh, my things was to go, oh yes, I did that, or I understand that. And there's still an element of me where I do do these things. But I've learned that people don't take kindly to it, so I have enough experience to know that this is now not how you communicate with people because you get a really bad response. But um, the interesting thing about this is that I was told, oh, they scored so well, they did so brilliantly. And actually, I've taken this test before. I had to do it as part of my teacher training. Not teacher training, that's wrong. Part of um, training when I was a teacher. So it was something we did in a staff training session, not when I was training to become one. But I actually scored really highly in this particular test. And, but you know what, because I've got to a point where I just can't let these things define me and I'm not going to play that game with people, I didn't even mention it. What's the point? And I think, you know, there's some kind of freedom in that. But it is frustrating because you are still part of a system where that's how people define your intelligence and define your ability. And as we all know, there are many ADHD and autistic people, neurodivergent people, you know, SCND people. There are so many people out there with skill sets that are amazing and unique but they might not be able to study my husband didn't go to university he did not have the stamina to study and people would see that as him being inferior somehow to somebody who has a degree and again I'm not saying that the person with a degree is incapable either or that they're not amazing I think I think that we just all have different ways of getting where we need to go but I don't think that having a grade or a piece of paper or being able to study necessarily makes you a better employee. And I think this is where, as I always say, lines get very blurred. And I think that everything in our society just seems to be so binary and that isn't the way the world works. And I think that a lot of workplaces are really missing out on rising stars and really talented people because they don't have the degree and actually a family member I know does say that anybody could get a degree and I agree that like most people could get a degree you know just for the sake of one but it really does depend on the subject as well I don't think every subject is as accessible and I haven't actually researched whether this is true but for example uh, many years ago I was told there was a degree in David Beckham so you know I do understand what they're trying to say but they said that the value in degrees is to show an employer that you can work to deadlines and you're committed. And and I think it's nonsense. I did a degree. And uh, it was a degree in English. And in that degree, we covered... I mean, people just think you're doing book reports. That was actually said to me once. Do you do lots of book reports? No, that's not what an English degree is about. They're not all equal, obviously. There'll be different topics and content in each one. But the one I did was um, very heavily based in contextual literature. So you'd be doing a lot of history, which was great for me because I was really interested in history and obviously English. But I wanted to be an English teacher in secondary schools. And at the time, you had to have the English qualification. 
So mine was from a need to have that. I would, but before that, I'd actually dropped out of college because I was training to be a PR, uh, because somebody had suggested that to me because I did not know what to do. There were many things on my radar. I didn't know what to do, so I kind of let somebody decide for me. But um, I just learned really quickly this wasn't the right path for me. Wound up working and then realising how much I hated working at this place. And it kind of got me to you know to think about what I wanted to do. And teaching was something that had been there. It was one of the things that had been there. And what I liked about it, which I now realise was just um, very naive was the fact that when I had children, I would have all the holidays off with them. I mean, that's technically true, but what people don't realise is when you're a teacher, for most of the teachers I've met, not all, and I suppose it also depends on what school you're in, but I was in very challenging ones, um, the workload is insane. <laughs> it's intense. And there is absolutely no way I could teach now and raise my children. Absolutely no way. But I do also wonder if some of that is me being autistic and you know, having ADHD, because I hyper-focus, fixate, and I do go a bit over the top, I'm a workaholic, and that's just the way it is, we've discussed that before also, I'm really trying not to repeat myself, but it's so hard, because everything kind of interweaves, doesn't it, you know, all all the different parts of my life in some way connect, and it's hard to speak about one in isolation without bringing in the other, so you do then get this repetition, which I do apologise for, but, um, it's just very interesting to me how people view you in this world. There are so many ADHDers and autistic people who are unemployed. And there are people who just don't know what to do with their lives. And they're accused of having no direction. Or you have people, I have a member of my family who's um, recently been diagnosed with ADHD. And he spent his whole life just feeling lost, really. And not staying in jobs for very long and he's finally found something that is just right for him and you know it's about that really more than anything but I think the opportunities these days are not as easy because of the emphasis on this piece of paper it's a shame we don't go back to kind of more apprenticeship-led working and I, I hear they're trying to develop this and I hear it does exist in some areas um but it's not across the board. And even me as a teacher, as I said, yes, you can't let anybody go into that kind of career. It is a vocation. But I don't think that they fully prepare you for what it's going to really be like when you're in there. And there are people I have worked with who do not have degrees. Like, for example, some teaching assistants or learning support assistants, I think um, they're now called more so. Some of the individuals I have worked with in the school setting who were not teachers were so talented and so able but they were either at a point in their life where they felt it was too late to train or they found studying really hard or it was just something they didn't really want to do and yet they would have made amazing teachers and by contrast I've worked with teachers who've gone through the whole academic part of it and done everything brilliantly on paper but they haven't been great teachers and so I think this is what's really crazy in life is it's a shame that there aren't more opportunities for people to kind of show their ability on the job. I think we're missing a trick. It just seems to be nowadays more and more about getting these pieces of paper. And and I myself, I'm 38 soon. I'm very, very close. I'm on the edge of 38. I'm just about to leave 37 behind and I'm clinging on. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, 
But I've been so desperate to make a difference in the world of autism that I've looked into becoming a clinical psychologist and being able to then assess people and help diagnose autism because I know that obviously I'd then be able to do it legitimately, but as an autistic person, I do genuinely believe that I have an intuition and I think a lot of us do. You intuitively know when people are autistic and I think you would know what to look for and although you have the criteria you have to meet, I think you'd know what those people are telling you from your own lived experience, I think you'd be able to draw on the correct parts. And I think equally, you'd be able to say with more authority whether people do not meet that criteria. Um, I might not have explained that very well. But um, I looked into it and with the training I would need to do to convert my degree to then do you know, like further postgraduate study and to get experience to actually be able to go into that line of work, which would be fantastic... I think I was looking at about another seven years and someone said to me, don't let that put you off if that's what you really want to do. But it's not as easy as it's just because it's something I want to do. We have to think about the funding. We have to think about my children. We have to think about the fact that is a lot of years ahead and that's before I've even qualified. And then you've actually got the workplace to navigate. And also I've got a really bad experience with that. I always start really high and it always dips that is just my life experience everything whenever I go into any role people think I'm really professionally great but then the social part of me starts to falter because that's where I struggle and I don't mean because I can't speak to people but because you know I am a workaholic and I like to keep to myself and sometimes I'm a bit socially inappropriate I am autistic and I feel like sometimes I'm punished for that but it's who I am and this is where the problem lies in our society you know, I do appreciate there's also autistic people who do have intellectual disabilities and, and have different difficulties. Somebody attacked uh, an advocate literally this week for saying, you know, we need to stop putting so much attention into the high functioning autistic people and we need to focus more on the low functioning, which obviously this terminology is damaging for so many reasons. I'm deemed high functioning and people expect far too much so that when I do let my autism shine through, um, I'm punished for it and I'm not accommodated and I'm not recognised. Um, and then people underestimate people who they deem to be low functioning and it's just damaging. We are all different. We all have a different level of need. My eldest child, for example, we're looking, you, know, you never know. You can never say what the future is going to hold. But currently we look into his future believing very strongly that he is going to need some kind of care to to have any independence. And yet, if you met him, he's very articulate. So people find this really shocking because he appears fine. Everyone thinks he's very high-functioning, but actually he's not, and this is where the danger comes in. So, yeah, we do live in a bit of a weird world at the moment, but hopefully things will progress and change and improve, but sometimes it doesn't really feel that that is achievable but you have to have some kind of hope, I suppose. Um, but the other thing with studying for me that puts me off is I don't enjoy it. I don't, unless it's something I want to do. And somebody said, well, if that's the job you want to go into, isn't that enough of an incentive? It was enough that, to get me through my degree for teaching, but I'll be honest with you, I rarely attended lectures. I did a lot of stuff from home, and I've admitted this before. I got through that degree without having read really any of the books. I think I went on to Sparknotes and just found out what the general themes were. 
and then I sat exams and wrote essays which really weren't very good. It just isn't my kind of thing. I don't mind writing about things I'm interested in, but I don't want to be told that this is what you're writing and this is how you write it. I just want the freedom to do what I want to do on my terms. And this is where I feel that perhaps I, I may meet the criteria of PDA. There are so many examples from me being very tiny to now that are starting to make this very clear. And again, I think it's because you have these stereotypes of PDA just being very angry children. <laughs> it's just not the case. Um, it's really important that we subvert some of this stuff. And I will be talking about this so much more. But for me to to think about embarking on another seven years, potentially, before I even go into a profession that, let's face it, when I'm in it, it will be different, won't it? Teaching was different to how I imagined. And I'm sure this will be different. I'm sure there will be red tape and politics I don't agree with in that profession. And so really, is it worth me spending another few years? It's really difficult because it's something I'd love to be a part of. And I think I would be such an asset to that kind of role. But the way that our system is set up, it doesn't really allow everybody who would be an asset to that role to go into it. And people might argue, well, no, no, no. If you're going into a role that esteemed, then you need to have all of these years studying and researching and doing all this stuff behind you. But I just don't believe in it. I don't believe in it at all. I've seen too many professionals who have the piece of paper who thrive academically, who aren't really very good at the job and very good with the people and to have the passion for it. And it is literally just a job. And so this is where I get really torn and this is where people don't always like my opinion and they think I'm challenging them or undermining them and it's not the intention, but... I just don't agree with the way every system is set up at the moment. I mean, educational, health, everything I have issues with. But how do we how do we go about promoting change? Well, first of all, it's to do things like this, isn't it? It's to have discussions and to feedback and to try and get the people from the top to listen so it can trickle down into society. I've given up talking to people around me and trying to convince people around me, including family and friends, I'm now trying to go to people who can actually implement change and have some authority over policies. So if you're like me, then get in touch or contact your local MP or have a look at what groups you have nearby who can help you get your voices out there because this is the way we're going to actually activate any change and it's, it's necessary. Thanks for listening.